Welcome to the I Am Woman Project. I am your host, Catherine Plano. I am a creative soul adventurer, a modern day alchemist, and on a mission to empower the conscious people of this world, those who seek to learn, grow, understand, and become the very best version of themselves that they can be. Every week, we have thought leaders, change instigators, and inspirational human beings from around the globe that offer you profound teachings and recent discoveries from the world of neuroscience, positive, cognitive, and spiritual psychology to help you build wealth, health, love, and achieve lasting transformation. So join us here every week for new lessons on how to lead a life that matters, how to escalate your life after failure, and how to inject more meaning connection and resilience into your life and your business. As a way to thank our guests for their time, energy and wisdom, we would love to demonstrate our appreciation, gratitude and admiration. We would love to hear from you. What was your key takeout from today's session? By writing a review in Apple Podcasts with our guest's name and insight. And when you do, please make sure to take a photo and send your photo to support at katherineplano.com.au and we will send you a personalized cosmic blueprint for free. It's a report based on your unique birth chart to discover your true calling and how you can best make a difference in the world. Thank you. This week, as always, we have a super, super amazing guest for you. We've got the beautiful Annie Botticelli. Annie is an internationally renowned astrologer, teacher, mentor, and inspirational speaker, and the best-selling author of Radical Prayer, Transform Your Life and the World in 28 Days, and Planetology, How to Align with the Natural Rhythms of the Universe. Annie is a spiritual spark igniting new perspectives and inspiring solutions to transcend the challenges and limitations of the polarized experiences of duality. She blends her Sagittarian optimism with Capricornian realism, condensing the monthly story of the stars into must-know videos for each sign and other special astrological events. She uses her decades of experience as a professional astrologer and astrology teacher to educate about astrology while she shares her perspectives. She has had over 9 million views to her YouTube channel and has hundreds of thousands of views to her blog sites monthly. It is her intention to spark and support the luscious awakening of humanity in this critical era of history. It's now time to tune into this one very inspirational human being. Enjoy. Well, today I have a very special guest for you. We have the beautiful Annie Botticelli. Welcome to I Am Woman Project. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, everyone listening. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm super excited. As I was explaining to Annie before we got on the show that as soon as I found out she was coming on the show, I was beside myself because I am a big fan of Annie and I'm sure you will be too once you hear what she does, and how unique she is. So the way that we always love to start the show 
is we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to share her unique story. So Annie, tell us what inspired you to do what you do today? Well, um, I knew when I was little that I wanted to help people. And I also um, was an entrepreneur without realizing that I was. Um, so I had tried to start a recycling business. And this is, you know, <laughs> a really long time ago where where like the only recycling really that went on was bring the cans to the, the supermarket and put them in the machine and get a nickel type of a situation. <laughs> But I had, you know, I had ideas um, for um, stewarding, you know, uh, making a positive change while earning an income that just it was just natural for me. And I was thinking that way. But I was brought up in a household that where even though my parents were doing some very cool things on the side of their normal jobs, they didn't. um they weren't instilling in me to to have my own business. They weren't saying that. They were doing that, but they were saying, go to school, do really well in school, get a really good job with benefits, you know, but I was observing other things. And in the meantime, I was natural, you know, nat natural. So, so the combination of wanting to help people, wanting to help the world, you know, um, a natural kind of business-minded person, just that's that sort of led me into my 20s when I graduated um, and started working um, at that good job that I got from doing well in school and all of that. And I, I was a pharmaceutical rep. And now at that time in my life, I was not exposed to anything alternative. You know, it was completely mainstream upbringing. Um, I didn't know about alternative healing. I didn't, you know, any of these things. And just the year that I had gotten you know, uh, maybe within a couple of years of, 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 of really getting into the workforce, I started, well, you could say waking up, you know? And, um, so I found myself, you know, in doctor's offices, I was, my job was to educate doctors and patients and fellow team members, um, on the disease states and the drugs the pharmaceuticals and how they worked in the body and, you know, explain the studies and things like that. So that was my job. But what I wound up doing and noticing was that I would spend a lot of time waiting in waiting rooms to talk to doctors, just the same way as people do as their patients. And the patients would start talking to me. And I, I've always had like a net, like if anyone is near me and has any kind of problem, I'm the person that they start talking to without realizing they say, I don't know why I'm telling you all this. I feel really comfortable around you. In the meantime, I might not even know them, you know, but there's something about my energy field that kind of called that in. And so I spent a lot of my days just listening to the challenges that people were experiencing. And um, that coupled with my, you know, awakening and starting to study alternative things, I started to realize, wow, that our health is not, um, <laughs> it is really very much based in our emotions and our psyche. Um, and that physical maladies are very much an end result of psychological, spiritual, emotional challenges. So I started to become very passionate about, I mean, I was already passionate about helping people. Like I wanted to, to be the best, to know the most, to like just help everybody in that line of work. But as I started waking up to these other, you know, to massage, the value of massage and the, um, and the lesser seen realms and energy work and, you know, um, the, our, our belief systems and how that molds our experience. I started studying, you know, um, 
everyone who who talked about how how what you you know what you can think what you can you know that that you can do like all all of those people and there were, and there were a lot of them um and i started studying that from a psychological standpoint it wasn't even super spiritual at that time and then i started like really stepping into that and and seeing like wow my path i i saw it very clearly my intuition started to get very strong um and i started to just really see like wow i'm going to write books i'm going to use alternative means to help people and i'm going to step out of this mainstream um experience and not to judge it pharmaceuticals help a lot of people um and i would i'm glad that it it is there and it is available for people but the role that it plays and certain aspects of it were, were things that i wanted to step away from and in the meantime I sold a drug that got recalled for killing people. So that was, and I wrote a book about that, which is not currently available, but I will bring it out at some point. But it's it's just the point that we've got, <laughs> our healing is an inside job and we can claim our vibrant health. And I have a passion for helping people see how much power they do have and giving them the tools uh, to to find their wellness on every level and their joy and not stop there. Like, let's not stop just being healthy. Let's create the abundance. Let's create the experience. Let's create the relationships. Let's create the, you know, the work, the vocation. And, and that's how, that's how I'm here. <laughs> that's what I do. I love it. And I'm sure our listeners are curious. So how does one do that? When you're talking about health is an inside job and there's, you talked about abundance and relationship. How do we uh, do that ourselves? What are some of the things that, that you uh, suggest we do? Okay. Well, the first thing is to get, I call it to get really big ears. Okay. So when you, like I always imagine drawing a picture with like a little face and, and super huge ears. This is the visual that I get. And this is to awaken your listening ears because you are using vocabulary all day that is defining your position in the world. And your position, your, your stance, your viewpoint on things, uh, whether they're conscious or unconscious, is creating your reality. So we give away these belief systems through our vocabulary. And if you really start listening, you not only will hear yourself saying things, you'll start to hear other people's stories. The stories are what keep us in a certain reality. So for instance, let's say there's a person, and this is very common, and I've worked with very many people who are in this situation, where let's say they're great at their work, they're talented, they have unique offerings, they work hard, but people aren't purchasing their services and they have serious financial issues and they can't seem to get to, to get a hold of what's happening. I'm sure you've heard that situation before, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So there is a belief system. Well, there's probably more than one that that was infused into that person. And we have to figure out, or they have to figure out or whoever, whoever's helping them, you know, what, what are those belief systems? And a lot of times, most of the time, the core of that is infused from our parents. So like, I'll give an example from, from my own life. My parents taught me that you can work super hard 
to to exhaustion to the detriment of your relationships to the detriment of your health and you can make more than enough money so both my parents were poor 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 my my stepdad that raised me was he gambled on the street to make money to help feed his little brothers and his mom you know that 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 poor and my mom was just a little step above that so they worked their way into a middle class circumstance. Although when I was born, we were basically homeless. My mom and I, that's a long, another long story. But um, anyways, so they showed me that if you work hard, you can build yourself up from wherever you are. But again, it has to be at the expense of something. It has to be at the sacrifice you know, to sacrifice something or more than one thing. And so I went through my life, you know, earning money and always having more than enough money, but I was working all the time. I mean, I had in college, sometimes I had three jobs besides college. When I got my um, corporate job, you know, I was working 80 hours a week. I had more than enough money, but I was working and working and working. And it, that's the story. That's what my parents said. So they were right. I was building my way up. You know, I got into a beautiful house on the water that I wanted. I was living a lifestyle, traveling the way I wanted to. But my relationship was a mess. And I was really tired. And I realized how unsustainable that picture was. So that's when I started to really, really uh, look inside and realize, okay, I have a belief system that I can have the money that I want, but I have to sacrifice all of this. And a lot of people believe that. And so I started using tools like EFT, the emotional freedom technique. This is one of the best tools that I recommend to everyone. First of all, because it's so effective. Second of all, because it's completely free. There are so many free resources online. You can just search for EFT and whatever topic. Now there's a lady named Margaret Lynch who you can find her YouTube channel. And she was an engineer turned business coach. And she was really helpful in my journey of using EFT. I've been using EFT for 20 years, but it was in about the last 10 years that she came into my life and started showing me how to use EFT to target that um, those belief systems about money. But again, back to your original question, how do people do this themselves? Well, first of all, you can use the resources of people that do this. So Margaret Lynch has a book called Tapping Into Wealth. Uh, I've done that book four times the whole system in the book. And every time I did that book, the book was $15. And literally, I'm sure hundreds of thousands of dollars have come in from the $15 that I spent on that book. But I had to add the work. The books, books don't change lives by sitting on the bookshelf. So I really, really, really used that tool. And every time I used it, my income would double. And I would change my work um, schedule. And I would you know, cut down the number of hours. I uh, read a book called The 4-Hour Workweek by Timothy Ferris. Totally blew my mind because I was like, wow, not only, not only can I or can people step away from, oh, we have to work, you know, too much to make ends meet, but now we can like have a four-hour workweek? I was like, there is no way, but I'm going to try. And I have basically attains that goal. That's amazing. Oh, I, I, I wish I um, 
was, uh, as you're saying, I'm like, oh, I'd love to do a four-hour week. That would be awesome. Uh, in the future, I will. I, I can see that uh, eventually, but not right now. So what you're saying, Annie, is the first thing that we need to do when you're talking about waking up with your big ears is really listen to every utter, every word that we utter. Because when you talk about that language, this is like it gives us insight into what's happening at that deeper unconscious level if we're paying attention to how we're speaking and those narratives. Because what you're saying is that a lot of the times it's these parenting programming that live out in our life today that maybe hold us back or no longer serve us. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And something that Margaret Lynch had had talked about, which is really, um, really, really uh, eye-opening, is that we make these vows, basically. Sometimes we vow to never be like our parents, never going to be like them. And sometimes we vow to be just like them. And sometimes we make both of those vows. And so one of the things that was really eye-opening for me and that I had to do a lot of tapping work around was that the guilt of thinking about, like, even though I've worked so hard in my life and I've had my share of, oh my gosh, problems that would surprise people if they had any idea in my past. But I located through using, you know, my um, listening to my, my words, um, using the tapping to, to go in deeper to see what we, would be revealed. I saw that I had a guilt that I couldn't make more money um, and have it be easier because of what my parents went through. And if they had to suffer like that, then what would it look like if I showed up and told my dad how much I was making and how little I was working and, and then made more than, than him? or more than what he had saved and invested in for his whole life. What what would that, how would that make me me feel? That would make me think about how he would feel, right? Like maybe he would feel ashamed. Maybe he would feel proud. Maybe he, but, but I would worry, like there was a deep concern that I had. And Margaret talks about this being very common that we're afraid to outshine our parents that, that is really interesting. I have heard that before. We have had uh, a few guests on the show that talk about parenting programming and sometimes that the things that hold us back is the guilt, guilt of outshining our parents or doing better than they, they ever did because uh, I can relate to very much what you're talking about. So I had both parents. We um, came over to Australia from France um, and so I was born in France. I was seven when we came to Australia and they worked really hard, really hard to get uh, to where they got to. And so I, I can really relate to that whole guilt trip about outshining or doing better than my parents, knowing that they, how hard they worked. Right. And that's just one belief system. You know, different people have different stories. I know one person whose parents were very wealthy and they thought that they were helping their kids by not interesting them in, in the money. They didn't want to worry them with the money. And then they raised three children who can't manage as adults, can't manage their finances very well and who have constantly had difficulty with their vocation and their finances um, because they never learned. But at the same time, they work hard because all of the kids were required to work for no pay at the family business. So what they learned was that you have to work hard, but you're not going to get any money for it, but you will somehow have the, the basic things that you need. 
but you're not going to have your own money or your independence. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, so yeah. That's, I mean, that's just one of a million, you know, and there's all of these different tweaks on it depending on someone's situation. And of course, this is well-meaning. And there are, of course, many parents who are not well-meaning and who, who, you know, there are, there's abuse and there's that stuff. But there are so many more people who just try to do the best for their kids and unwittingly impose these belief systems because they were imposed upon them. And then we've got them. And you can tell what belief system you have by the state of your life. That that will give you the answer. Your words will give you the answer. The state of your life will give you an an the answer. Let's say you're a woman who is a single parent and you have attracted men in your life who don't do their fair share and you are working like a dog and no man is giving you any money. Well, that's, there's a belief system, you know? And you could say, well, that person is, it's obviously their fault. And we could always find like, like meaning the, um, the man in that, in that particular instance. But as when we get wrapped up in the victim mentality, like I'm in this situation because this person is not doing what they're supposed to be doing, then, then that's a very dangerous place to be because it is so justifiable. It's so justifiable to be angry and to limit our reality because of something that someone is or isn't doing. And I was actually in a situation like this um, with my first child where, you know, his dad was not um, showing up with the money that he, his fair share. And I was, I really needed him to <laughs> at that time. And he wasn't. And, and so I had to figure it out. But being a spiritual seeker, I heard spirit explaining to me, okay, Annie, this is, this is what, you know, this one, we, we talked about this okay, victim mentality, you know, you've got to reframe right now. This is what spirit was saying to me right now. You're thinking that you have limitations in your life and your finances because of what this person is or isn't doing. And as long as you believe that you're going to keep recreating that. And so I used EFT tapping, I used NLP. I know that you know about NLP and That's are very good about that. And, you know, EMDR, which is another trauma clearing therapy. I used, you know, books like The Presence Process by Michael Brown, an amazing book called Marriage of Spirit by Leslie Temple Thurston, um, just basically inner work. And I just dismantled the heck out of all of those belief systems. And I would pray and I'd say, okay, infinite spirit, please help me to not need, help me to adjust my inner vibration to not need him to pay for something like help me, you know, and spirit would say, okay, well then first you have to forgive him. And then that was hard because I'm like, whatever, right. It's easy to, to, to not forgive when you're angry about, about that. But so I had used all the tools to do forgiveness work and kept just remembering he was a product of his environment. I drew him in. I am accountable for drawing in that vibrational match. I am empowered. I'm going to stay in this empowered space and I'm going to keep reconstructing my inner world to be a vibrational match for not needing his financial input. Oh, and I love the way you've described that. Yes, thank you. So that's, you know, so the, the people in my life who have been, and this is true for everybody, the people in our lives who are the biggest pains 
who are like the ones we could come up with the most four letter words for. Those people are the greatest angels in our lives without without us even realizing it sometimes at first, because when we add the alchemy, we create alchemy. Okay, so the lead is that person, that angel messenger, who doesn't seem like an angel, seems like a devil, right? So then the alchemy comes from our awareness that we drew that circumstance in for our learning and our healing, and that we are a vibrational match for that, and that it is within our power to change our vibrational matching and that we draw to us, we could pray for drawing to us the insights, the tools, the breakthroughs, the belief systems that will help us to align with a different reality. And then all of a sudden, that's where the gold comes in. Because now all of the lead in your life, now not only can you bless the lead from your past and in your present, you can bless the lead in the future. And you know, I'm an astrologer and I help people know when there are challenging aspects going on and they always are there always are challenging aspects no matter how many nice aspects there are that we when we have this empowerment viewpoint we don't have to fear the lead that comes in the form of challenging aspects we don't have to fear the lead that comes in the form of experience we can look forward to wow the lead can turn into gold when we use the alchemical equation of accountability and the inner work that creates the outer world change. Mm. And and there is, it is exactly that. When you're talking about accountability, it's so much easier to blame, right? But it's disempowering. Oh. You're giving your power away by blaming uh, you know, others, your your environment, whatever that may, may, may be. But accountability really sits with you. And it is very empowering when you, when you say it like that. Well, I chose this uh, partner. I chose this experience. Uh, there's a lesson in this. There's, I'm going to grow from this experience, whatever that may be. It's so much more empowering. And I love the way that you were talking about lead because uh, we before we got on the show, we were talking about astrology. And these are just influences around you. It's it's what you do with that information. And I always look at it as in astro- astrology for me is like a cosmic weather report. So, for example, if you decide to have a picnic on a Saturday, you would check the weather report if it's going to rain or thunder or whatever that may be. And, of course, if it is, uh, then you're going to, okay, I might need to change my plans now. Um, that That's how I see it. So I, I would love to really unpack because uh, I was listening to your story going, I'm really curious, how did you get into astrology? Because that's what you do right now, right? I mean, you do lots of things. It's not just one. Of, that's just one of the things that you do. But what was that turning point for you to go into the depth that you do in astrology. And for our listeners, by the way, I highly recommend check out Annie's uh, YouTube channels, her website, which we'll have on the show notes. But the way that she describes astrology, it's so digestible, so easy to listen to. So Annie, over to you. How did you get into astrology? And maybe let's let's sort of look at what is astrology? Well, there's a lot of lot in there and I'm happy to, to speak to all of that. So um, when I first, okay, so pri- when I was having this waking up in my mid-20s, um, I was very much, I w- was getting, you know, I was becoming a massage therapist. I was Reiki master. I was um, at that time getting a degree in naturopathy, which was called a, nat- a doctorate in naturopathy, which we're not allowed to call it that anymore because the regulations have changed or whatever. But uh, that that was all going on. And, and within 
my, my studies, I had come across an astrology course and I took it and I did not like it. I did not like it at all. I knew that I was a Sagittarius and I resonated with the thing, the very little that I knew about that. But when I read the information in this course, I really felt like it was so general that I didn't think that, that anybody could be helped with it. It was because we're, we're all, I mean, now I know the reason why if you go on a very superficial level, like if you open a book about astrology to any sign, you can say, well, Hey, I'm that. And then you turn to the next sign. Wait, I'm that too. Well, yes, we are all, all of the signs, signs, just the same as we're made up of the same um, elements that a rock is made up of, or, you know, other matter, like they're all, we've got a certain amount of elements that make up everything. And what makes things, what makes matter different is the ratio of the ingredients, basically. And so we all have all of the zodiac ingredients in us. I always call it like, like we're a person pie with all of the ingredients, the 12 ingredients, except with a, a different ratio. And that's what makes our personalities and our experience different is these different ratios. So I understand that now that, that that's why we can look at any book and say, well, yeah, I have that. I can see that in myself. I can see that in myself. But at the time I thought it was really general. And I was like, there's no way that, that people could, could be helped with this. So I just dismissed it and I didn't want to include it in further studies. And then synchronicity, synchronicity, the language of spirit stepped in through uh, my being online at a concert and a friend of mine was playing in a band. So I was online for the, for the bathroom and this, this girl who had been drinking quite a bit <laughs> looked back at me online. She was ahead of me and she said, you're so beautiful. You're going to be my friend. <laughs> and so I said, okay, sure. And then she said, and also, do you know any hot single guys? And so I said, well, my boyfriend has a brother who's single. I do not, not think that he's attracted myself, but many other ladies do. And you might like him. Well, they got married. <laughs> oh, wow. That, that girl online became like my sister-in-law, more or less. And she was an amazing, precocious astrologer, not by trade. She didn't do it for money, really. She was a teacher, school teacher. And she just had had the gift. She started studying astrology when she was 11. You know, by that time, she was in her mid-20s. She had been doing it for a long time. And so we started to spend a lot of time together when the guys were off fishing and doing you know, whatever, the kinds of things that made us wind up leaving them. They were off doing those things. So I was learning energy work and she would have headaches a lot. She's an Aries and Aries often gets a lot of headaches and, and she would get these tension headaches and I was able to make her headaches go away. So we, she looked at my chart and we would, we would exchange. So I would work on her and she would look at my chart. And so from the first time she looked at my chart, she said, you are going to write lots of books and be very famous for that. You are going to be a famous astrologer, like a really famous astrologer. And you're going to have celebrity clients and you're going to do all these things. You're going to have all of like this very large audience. Now, you know, at that time, there was no, besides like normal television, there, was, there wasn't a venue 
besides like you have you're on TV. You know what I mean? We we didn't like at the time that she was saying all of this, there weren't the venues that became, you know, that there are now. But she could see this energetically. And she she said that. And I said, well, that's great. I'm totally gonna write books. I can see that. I, I feel that I've actually already started at that time I had. And all of that's great, except I'm not going to be an astrologer because I don't actually like astrology and I don't really think that you can help people with it. <laughs> so she, yeah. So she kept, you know, saying, that's fine, but you're going to be an astrologer. And so I ignored it. But over time, I started going through astrology night school. So the things that she would say and the things that she would talk about just in kind of doing readings for me, and she was sneakily like teaching me, she knew that she was going to be my teacher. And so she was feeding this, you know, feeding this information and getting me kind of entrained with it. So I, I woke up one night in astrology school, astrology night school, as I call it, and angles, you know, because astrology is math, is math, it's a science and science is based is math and these angles, these meaningful connections between planets started showing up in my head. So I basically succumbed very unwillingly. And I will say that I still like, it took me and even still sometimes like I try, I have tried to get away from astrology for one reason or another. It's always been something, you know what I mean? (laughs) Before it was, I thought it was too general. Then it was, I I wanted to do other stuff and and astrology wasn't my main interest. But over time, it got a hold of me and it became a passion. And I I had a gift. I had a gift for it. So it just sort of took center stage. And it was confusing to me because I saw the books and I saw the writing and I saw all of this. And I I, I didn't see the connection between astrology and all of that. But over time, it became very clear. You know, so that's that got me. I, I was chosen by spirit to do this work. It was not something I thought I would do. It was not something that I wanted to do, but it took a hold of me and became like an obsession that is is something that I try to get away from. Like I'm running away from always at the same time as I'm running directly towards. <laughs> mm, and look at you now. Your, it sounds like your uh, girlfriend uh, was psychic because, I mean, I know that you know, when you give somebody your your birth details and you can see your cosmic blueprint, um, you can read so much into that. So for her to be that specific, I think she had obviously a level of being psychic. Yes, yes, she she was. And I, I shy away from that word because I think there's some stigma associated with it. Um, but... But yes, it's accurate. She is psychic. She she was psychic. She is psychic. She was she. I believe that all humans have the capacity for ESP, extrasensory perception, where we have it in our wiring, and it's latent, you know, genetically, um, from for some people more than others. Uh, but everyone is wired to tune into extrasensory perceptions, and some people really get into it at earlier times or with more clarity or, or, you know, more, more specificity than other people. But she definitely was. And I always explain to my students because my main work now is in teaching. You know, I teach through my blogs, I teach through my YouTube channel, I teach through my courses, my books, but my main big work is training astrologers to be astrologers, whether they're doing it just out of their own self-development or for their, um, you know, to be a professional astrologer. 
And so I always explain to them that we can read what's on the chart. That is the science of astrology. And then when we're in that chart as a focal point for our connection to the lesser seen realms, it's like a portal, then we can start to see what's off the chart. And that's, that's where the intuition comes in. So I could teach somebody to read a chart who thinks they have no intuition whatsoever. However, and they could learn to read adeptly just with the science of astrology. However, the deeper we go into science, and I know you know this as well with you, how, you know, you're a scientist by nature, that the deeper you go into science, you wind up at spirituality. And the deeper you go into spirituality, you wind up at science. So it's to me, there's, you know, there isn't a line of delineation. It's just all the same thing. It's just a matter of what each individual at each particular time is is ready to call it. <laughs> I, I love the way you talk about reading off the chart because I do, I think that, uh, and I mean, I've shared that with you, that with astrology, I started in my 20s and I didn't like it either. I thought it was a bit too complex and then started much later on in life and I've been doing it for a while now. But I do, do believe that uh, everyone will have their own their own take on a chart um, whether it's you know how they dance with the archetypes, or um, how you know what that what comes out for them, it's just like reading tarot, isn't it? It's like when you think about reading a card, it's really what pops up for you, and it's it's whether you're clairsentient, clairvoyant, whatever that may be. It depends on what's dropping in for you at that time when you're doing that reading. Exactly, and actually, the way that I came to have astrology in the forefront was exactly what you're talking about. So basically I, I was doing energy work and I had astrology was showing up, but I used it in the backdrop. Like maybe I'd look at somebody's chart before I went into a hands-on healing session with them to have a little background about what the belief systems were and what the blocks were to help just with my energy work. It, it was in the backdrop. And then I had a friend come over and this is before I had an office set up. Um, and I was just doing it casually with, you know, people that I knew we were having tea and we we had this moment where where we were both looked at each other. We're like, oh, my gosh, the session has begun already. We realized that I was doing the energy work on her conversationally. I hadn't even touched her yet. And then astrology started to come in more as as a focal point for my energy work. And it still is like I'm working on people energetically when I'm in those videos. They might not know that. <laughs> that's that's you know? amazing. So what, what, what do you look at in a chart to find out when you're doing, uh, so for, for example, before you go and do a healing on a client, you were talking about, I look for their blocks. I look for their limiting beliefs. What, what do you look for on a chart specifically? Well, that's way more complex than I could answer in a short line. Actually, my whole course that has a hundred modules in it is explaining all of those things because there are so many ways that, that this can come in. But in a nutshell, at this point, and at, even at that point for me, again, it was like the, the understanding of the placements and the storylines that go along with those start to speak in the archetypal uh, stories. And, and that, that would be a big piece of it. The North and South node 
placements for me have always been, I think, the two most important placements in a chart. And if I had, I joke with my apprentices when I say, I'll never get mad at you. And I'm always open to, you know, whatever, however you're going to go, wherever you're going to go with this. But if I find that you're not looking at the nodes and, and speaking to them in one way or another, I'm going to be mad. <laughs> of course, I'm kidding. I'm not going to be mad. But, you know, it's just the point that the south node shows a, a lot of karma. It's not the only karmic point in the chart because karma can be shown from many, many, many different places. But karma is essentially a belief system. When we believe something so strongly, spirit wants to make us see the other side of it, right? We're on a, a, a plane of duality. This planet is a planet of duality. And so if we believe something very strongly on one side, everything is seeking to have balance and, and these opposing forces come to show us, well, what about the other person's shoes? What about the other person's story? And so they introduce themes and experiences that help us to see the other side of the things we strongly believe. Sometimes we're aware of those beliefs consciously and sometimes they're unconscious beliefs and we have to use the big listening ears and, you know, big, big watching eyes to find those things, but they're in there. So the South Node shows a lot of belief systems for better and worse. It shows hidden gifts that we have. It shows, you know, talents. It shows positive karma and it shows negative karma, things that we believe that are going to cause problems for us in our lives. And the North Node is the Dharma. It's our area of highest expression this lifetime. So the way I like to explain these nodes is if you imagine a seesaw, I don't know if you all played this at the park. I don't see a lot of seesaws around anymore. But when I was little, we would try to pile, you know, a certain number of kids on one side, older kids, bigger kids, smaller kids, and then try to, like, get it even. And that's what this is like. So you come in to the world with your north node, your highest expression this lifetime, your dharma, what you came here to do, your highest expression, flying up in the air. It's the, it's the part of the, the seesaw that's sticking up. And you've got a whole bunch of kids sitting on the south node side. <laughs> so your job is not to get the south node side flying in the air, is to, to start taking kids from one side and putting them on, on the north node side so that you balance everything out. So you never forsake your south node. You learn the lessons and you take the gifts and you use the resources to fuel your north node. And so that's one of the big things that I look at, I looked at, you know, in a, in a second, I could look at a chart in, in one second and have massive amounts of insights that if I then went into an energy work session that I would know that these were storylines. And then when spirit spoke to me, I'd have some sort of framework uh, for, you know, for that information. And, you know, like you said about tarot, you know, tarot and astrology are very, very, very directly linked. And my husband, uh, Benjamin Newman, has an amazing course on this mm. that, um his site is um, I am I A M H E L I O S dot com, where he he's really something. He explains with crazy detail the relationship between astrology and tarot, how which cards go into um, which signs and the development, a three part development of the evolution of each sign and how they flow into one another. So astrology and tarot are very intimately linked. And any of the intuitive arts, whether it's crystal ball gazing, whether it's 
um, numerology or palmistry or any anything. There are those things that you learn about those things, right? Tea leaf reading or whatever. But it's the it's like a it's a it's a focal point, kind of like a dristi. I think I'm saying that right. I'm in, in the yogic world, you know, where you focus on one point and that helps you keep your balance. Mm, so it's, yep. it's something you 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 stare at more or less, and it opens a portal for information that is lesser seen to come flooding in. Yep. Are you, um, sorry, I wasn't too sure if you cut out there, Nanny. No, I didn't. I was just. Okay. I was, because I was listening. As you were speaking, I was thinking about, um, and I've, I've dabbled in this myself. I mean, I studied astrology many moons ago and then delved into it a little bit more a few years ago with the linking, linking it back to astrology. Um, because obviously if you have a look at the Toth or Foss cards, depend on how you pronounce it, there's actually, yeah. you can see that there's, you know, there's Saturn, there's Mars in his in, in the cards. Um, but yeah. the other thing that, that I used to uh, play around with the chart is the Horari, where you can actually look, ask a question and look at the current transit and then actually answer your car, your question using your current transit. Have you ever done that before? Yes. Um, I, that's not my area, you know, cause again, that's more of like a, there's a, there's a link between psychic readings and into, you know, intuitive readings that to astrology and you can use it for that. And I was, a, I was a professional psychic before astrology really just took, took front stage. I did readings in a metaphysical store in Sedona when I first moved there a long time ago. And, and that is a very easy, fun accurate way to, um, kind of quickly, um, just get right to the heart of, of a matter that's being questioned. And that's one of the many, 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 many different types of charts that we can run even just in Western astrology. And then there's whole house astrology, there's placidist astrology, there's, you know, Vedic astrology, there's, you know, and so again, like all of those, there's evolutionary astrology, there's when you add a fucus, you know, there's, there, there are unlimited fra- uh, viewpoints, but glasses, I call them. Like you yes. can look through the glasses and see different things. And to me, they're all just as accurate. And there will be right now, as we're talking, there are people discovering new ways to do things. Someone's probably downloading something like, you know, human design and there, which I think is amazing as well. So it's just all the same to me. It's mm. in spirit. And it's a focal point. And, you know, whether that's angel cards, some people use angel cards for that. Some people use, you know, whatever they do. It's all the same thing. Yeah, I guess it's it's what resonates with you. And when you were talking about Vedic astrology, I know that the way it's interesting because many, when you hear some of the the stories many moons ago that you never used to look at north node or south node and it's really interesting their predictions on so if i have a look at my north node my north node is in taurus in the seventh house and my south node is in my first house uh scorpio so um and it's interesting the way that they read um they talk about the, the good and bad things that could occur in your life but once upon a time, they never, ever used to look at the North or South Node. 
Uh, and so I remember, I can't remember the podcast. It was an astrology podcast when they went right into the Vedic astrology and the information they spoke about was really interesting. Not, not something I'd heard of. Vedic's very different, of course. Yes, it is. There are some similarities, um, but there are there are differences and there are different translations. It's not, you know, a lot, I have a lot of people, you know, want to try to compare them apples for apples. And that's that's where it, it it doesn't work, you know, and that's I have a lot of people and actually sometimes on a daily basis posting under my YouTube videos. Hey, you know, which is more accurate, Vedic or or Western astrology? And my answer is they both are just as accurate. I know Vedic astrologers, and they are just as accurate as my Western counterparts and myself. And it's just another way of looking at it. They have a different system. Uh, people, I feel like it's very much a habit of humanity to try to make something wrong in the light of something else. And I am a very, you know, um, inclusive, I have an inclusive viewpoint where I'm always looking for how everybody can be right at the same time. In an infinite reality set there's room for infinite ways of seeing things and there's room for infinite layers of truth to be layered upon each other and be true at the same time so like for instance i also have the question what do i because i always tell people watch your um, horoscopes for your rising sign and for your sun sign and then sometimes someone will have like a conflicting you know like they'll have an earth uh, rising sign and then and an air uh, sun sign. And then the reports for those are different. Like it looks more favorable for one of those than the other. And they say, well, I'm confused. What's, which one is real, right? So this is how I explain it. And what I'm about to explain works, whether you're explaining the different types of astrology or whether you're talking about the different types of charts within one type of astrology. So imagine that you're in a house and that house has windows on all sides. Out one of the windows or one wall of the windows, there is a highway. And on that highway, there are emergency vehicles, there's traffic all the time. Out the back windows, there is a lake with birds. It's very peaceful. And then on the side of the house, there is a wall that is like a building next door. And then on the other side of the house, there's something else. So the way I see it is that all of these different things are showing you different window views out of your house which is your, where you're housed <laughs> energetically, your body, your experience, whatever it is. And one of them going on, like the fact that there are birds super peaceful out one window doesn't negate the fact that out the front window there's chaos. They're happening at the same time. And where you choose to affix your gaze, you're going to notice more of whatever happens to be there, but they will be happening at the same time and therefore they're true at the same time and therefore you don't have to pick between them and it's the same thing with vedic so if vedic is at one window and evolutionary astrology is at one window and western is at one window and these all these different sides those are all happening and there are different layers of experience that are speaking to the complex nature of what it's like to be there in that particular location mm. having that particular experience i agree with you 100 i i look at, at, at they all 
I think the more that I delve into this, the more I see there's patterns and there's that you can take a little bit from everything and you can you can see the storyline, you can see how this plays out. There there is some connection, even though they're very different in nature. Uh, even like when I did my Vedic, my Vedic, I come up as a Libran, uh, very different to what I really am. But it's once again when you see that the things that uh, I guess the themes that come up for let's say twenty twenty, it. I can relate to it. But then I could also relate to the astrology chart when I get that done. If I look at my 2020, I could relate to it. So there's always, there's there are connection points uh, that I think, and I love the way that you describe it. It is a window. It depends on which window you dis- decide to look out to. Right. And sometimes also something out one of the windows is screaming more loudly at that particular time. <laughs> so there could be a siren out one window or there could be a squawking bird out one window and one could be over shadowing the other and that's how it is in life where we've got two things or we'll just use two to be simple of course there are way more than two things going on at once but we've got two storylines from two different charts we'll say like the rising sign and the sun sign and one of them for for reasons known or unknown is screaming louder than the other one but if you look for the other other ones there it's also there you know and i see this happen all the time where like somebody could be experiencing complete chaos in their lives in one area and then complete bliss in the other area. Like when my stepfather passed away, I say recently, but it's been over a year now, it it threw our lives into complete chaos and grief. You know, our family was very, very close and it was very, very difficult. And when that was happening, there were aspects going on in my chart. I did actually see his death before it happened, which allowed me to be in the right place at the right time to be with him. So that's another one of the many uses how astrology has helped me I had an intuition I looked in the charts I looked at some timing it you know it worked out that way because I was thousands of miles away and was intended to be thousands of miles away at that time but I had a feeling about it followed through with it and then I was able to be there with him now at that same time my um, book was getting um, published my most recent book planetology how to align with the natural rhythms of the universe was getting published um, and by an amazing publisher in the UK called Watkins and distributed through Penguin Random House. So I was becoming a Penguin Random House author with my books going in every physical store in the United States, Barnes and Noble, every Barnes and Noble, every book's a million. All of that was happening at the same time as my dad was dying. And so very clearly, you know, there was more than one thing going on at once there. Yeah, absolutely. And I it's interesting because we we've um uh, had the conversation about seeing death in an astrology chart and I know um you know in Vedic they can they can actually tell you when you're going to die, how old you're going to be and so forth. But I don't know that you can well I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I think you're you're talking about intuitively you saw that, but it's not you can't, it's really hard to see that in a chart or do you see that in a chart? This is really tricky. You know, I am an astrologer who likes to focus on life and living better and only using the prospect of illness or death as a way to live better. And there are people who are consumed with that. I don't want to know when I'm going to die. I'm not asking those questions. And if anyone has emailed when I was doing readings to ask that, I would say I'm not I'm not the one for you. That's not what I focus on. I focus on life. Um, Now, that being said, I have seen many, many a passing of somebody beforehand and there are certain aspects uh, and transits that go on um, 
where it brings death to to the vicinity or it 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 brings it as a theme and some people get through it like i, I had some, another person recently this has happened many times where pluto pluto is a planet of death you know we can see death coming through other planets but pluto is like earth death transformation and that's part of how i how um there's a long storyline about what went on with my stepfather i actually moved back away from sedona to florida because i saw pluto doing something in my chart and i told my husband that i was concerned that my dad who was super healthy by the way and had no reason to think that he would be getting ill um and he had a healthy lifestyle um that he he had a chance that he was going to get sick and have a bit a major illness or he was gonna pass away and i wanted my kids to know him and i wanted to be by here so we actually moved because i felt like that was going to happen and then he got sick he did get sick and then he got better um and then he got sick again and then he passed away but you know i did see that all of that in my chart i wasn't looking at his chart i saw it in mine wow so you know, it, it is it is possible. I don't suggest that people look for that and just let it come if it does. You know what I mean? Because there are many things that could suggest that that don't turn out that way. And to go looking for it and to obsess about it is not how I've practiced. I don't teach my apprentices to do that. Um, but there are themes like when certain things go on in charts, I do tell them, okay, this is a point where you have to ask spirit to give you the right words of how you want to navigate this. Like one of the last readings that I had, because as I said, I'm, I've been on sabbatical, but there was somebody who I had known while well, I had done readings for them. They were a friend of mine as well. And I saw the theme and I'm like, oh God, I really do not want to talk about this. But spirit's like, oh, okay, yeah, guess what? You've got to talk about it. So spirit gave me the right words. And so I said, okay, you know, this is going on. I have seen it occur that, you know, there could be a death. And I, and I point, there was someone specific in their, in their family that, that was kind of being highlighted because of the position. But I said, you know, don't feel like they're doomed to die. Like know that the themes that Pluto brings, brings us, can often bring us face to face with our mortality and other people's mortality. And that story does sometimes in that time frame end with an actual physical death but more often than not it's a figurative death something dies or we get a scare or we go through something or someone close to us goes through something where we question like wow are we going to make it out of this and and that but to focus on like what i always say is to focus on forgiveness and when i see a transit like that the way that i frame it is i say this energy can bring actual physical death so what i but it doesn't have to so don't don't be afraid because you know to fear it would be to miss the whole point what spirit is trying to say in instances like that is go through and really really live your life especially in general but especially as it relates to if there was a certain person coming up you know as if, as if they might die and treat them as if they might die because, and, and say everything that you would have wished that you said, if you didn't have a heads up that they might pass away, 
say those things, do those things, and then if they don't die, then you have enriched your intimate relationship with that person in ways that you could never have done if you didn't greet the potential. And I even had it happen one time, and this is not usual. I will say, you know, I've done thousands of live readings and it is very unusual to, of what I was about to describe. I had a person coming to me who was a friend of mine who became a client and he was a young person. He was in his thirties. And he had it a, a zest, like an awakening for astrology. And he's like, I, I, he was like getting on his spiritual mission in a big way. And I, I looked at his chart and I helped him over, over the course of several sessions. And I saw that thing with Pluto. I was like, listen, these are the words that I, that spirit gave me. Pluto can bring, when Pluto's in this configuration, it can bring death literally to your front door, like in your house. That's what I said. That's what spirit got me to say. I said, but... It may not happen, but what you need to do is go be okay with everybody in your life just in case any of them pass away. And so he heard that. He really heard it. And which is a favorite thing for people who guide others, right? Is like for someone to really hear what you're giving them. So he came mm -hmm. back and he said, I thought about what you said. I went and I healed this stuff with my dad. I worked on this stuff with my mom. You know, I, I got to a point where I'm like, just, you know, just be okay. Get to the point where you could be okay with everybody. And, and then he died. He died. So, so, and when you talk about this Pluto configuration, what is the configuration that you see? Well, in the instances that I've been listing, Pluto, well, see, I'm, I'm a little hesitant to give that information because I don't want without the more framework of, of coaching people with it, um, for people to see it and then get afraid or see it coming and then be terrified that that's their death. And you see what I'm saying? And that's yeah, why course, I, of course. the dicey topic, because a lot of times that's not what happens or they get touched by death in some way, maybe a neighbor who they were close to, like the story of death can come in, but there are so many different ways that it can come in. You know what I mean? But that's yes. why the message is the same. The message that spirit has given me to share when this is going on is go be right with those people. Go be right with everybody. Go like do the things that you avoided doing. And that's the way that de death teaches us about life. And that's the, that's the grand transcendent lesson and points of these transits, I believe, you know, is to give us those opportunities. And when you can see it coming as a potential on a chart. So, so back to this other woman. Um, so I had said, you know, about a per certain person in her family, you know, just, just watch out. They might not pass away, but please just like do your work. And I gave her a list of work that she could do. And some of the things that I've listed for you all here today. And she, she said, don't be afraid, like really just, you know, just try to be okay and heal and, and live in a way that you won't have regret if they do pass away. And, you know, and she did that. And then he got sick. This person in her life got sick, but he made it through. And mm. now her relationship is so much more enriched with her partner, with her, you know, that person, with everybody, because she knew that that lesson was coming through and now was the time to do what she had been avoiding and and really just do it. And because of that, now she's getting to benefit 
from this amazing relationship, from this healing, from this peace, from this growth, and the person is still alive. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, I look at, you know, death, even like whether it's a death card in tarot or Pluto, it's a transformation, right? So it is true with what you're saying. It's It depends on the story and how it plays out. There's no, it's not, it's not, um, it's not, it doesn't mean it's actually going to be, you know, death is going to be knocking at your door. It could be as, as beautiful as what you just shared that somebody got sick and there was, you know, you made peace with that person, you forgave them and, you know, there was a process and therefore the transition or the transformation took place without, with actually the death taking place. So Annie, um, the, we are going to be wrapping up soon, but I'm really curious and for our listeners as well, uh, what are some of the major themes for 2021 that you would like to share with us? Okay, so first of all, 2021 is um, a very different animal than 2020. Uh, one of the, th- there were a few things that made 2020 what it was, and I have a video about this for, if you want to understand this retrospectively. If you just search for Annie Botticelli coronavirus, you'll find my How Astrology Explains the Coronavirus and the Systems Breaking Down, and it's very long, very in-depth, and I do recommend it for anybody who's interested in understanding how the external reality and the astrological you know, realities are how they interface. Uh, this is really, really, really helpful. Uh, but last year we had a predominance of personal planet retrogrades. That was one level. Okay. Personal planets are the ones closest to us and of the ones closest to us, the ones that go retrograde are Mercury, Venus, and Mars. So in a cyclical way, you know, with these certain timelines of these cycles, orbits that they have, We will have a year where we have not only our usual three, sometimes we have four Mercury retrogrades, but our usual three Mercury retrogrades, a Venus retrograde and a Mars retrograde. Retrograde brings us inward and backwards. And boy, were we ever inwards and backwards last year, right? (laughs) So before, before 2020 happened in 2019, I was saying, okay, do all this important stuff now, get all your stuff done because 2020 is going to go be a year of inward and backward. And boy, that was really right. I was really right about that. I didn't know coronavirus, you know, that's not on my radar. I'm not looking for world plagues and world epidemics. I'm looking for lessons that the planetary connections are bringing opportunities that they're bringing themes that they're bringing And one of the themes of 2020 was this inward and backward. But 2021 is not like that, except for the first few months. And of course, we've got a Mercury retrograde twice more um, in 2021. But it's, it's more about forward movement. And that hasn't really gotten a chance to shine yet. But we're about to step into that period now. Okay, so with every day that we progress into March, once we get mid month, things are going to really start to speed up. And so from mid-March through into May, things are going to open up in a very, very big way. And it could be surprising and fast. Now, what that, that doesn't mean everybody is going to be able to do all of the things that they want to do and go every place that they want to go. However, it is going to be very notable because the stars are open. And open means we don't have outer planet connections that are difficult. And that was the second theme of 2020 that is different this year. Last year, we had so many outer planets coming together in a notable mathematical configuration. Now, outer planets are the ones furthest from us. So Jupiter on outward, you know, we even talk about Chiron there, the asteroid, Jupiter and Saturn and um, Uranus and Neptune and Pluto, 
So those outer planets, they take longer to move around. And when they come into a, a challenged configuration, we really feel that. Really, really, really feel that. So 2020, we, we had those things going on, plus the retrogrades, and, and it did what it did. Now this year, we had a, a Jupiter-Uranus aspect in January. We saw <laughs> how difficult January was, right? And then we had Saturn square Uranus in February. And, you know, that has also had its difficulties. And I'll talk about the themes of that in a minute. We are going to have the Saturn-Uranus uh, aspects come again in June. And then uh, I think it's October. So like later in the year. I just had a, a moment where I couldn't remember the exact date of the second one. But so we've got two more of what has gone on in February of Saturn and um, Uranus, but in between those times aren't as intense as those times, okay? And so what, what are those times? What is that theme? So to understand what an aspect can bring, we have to break it down into its parts and then understanding the parts of how they mix together. Again, it's like ingredients in a pie or, you know, just anything that has components that when you like mix and match, what are those ways it can look? So we've got Saturn. Saturn is the, I always think of Saturn as a grandfather and a story I like to tell that I, that spirit gave me to, to explain and understand Saturn. So imagine there's a grandfather who's very wealthy. He's worldly. He's wise. These are all, you know, attributes of Saturnian energy. He's stern and not particularly emotional, but he's very productive and he gets things done and he's a taskmaster. He wants other people to work hard and he wants to reach goals and he wants other people to reach their goals. So he's got this estate and he's had these two grandsons, okay? And the grandsons would come over to this estate and he tried to teach them things. Now, of course, he knows that he wants to leave his estate to these kids. They don't realize this at this time. So he's just trying to teach them so they'll know what they need to know to manage this wealth and manage the business and manage all of this. So he tries to teach both of them. And one of them is really rude to him. He's unwilling to oblige the grandfather. And he's, you know, just disrespectful and doesn't want to work hard and isn't consistent and just whatever. Okay, so he does that. Then the other grandson listens to everything his grandfather says, is super respectful, learns what his grandfather's trying to teach. And then time passes and the grandfather passes away and he leaves to the grandson who listened and got the lessons and did the work, his whole estate. And then he left to the, the other kid some books that would teach him the lessons of what he tried to teach him in hopes that he would still be able to, <laughs> he's still trying to teach him even though he's not there. But he didn't leave him the estate because he didn't learn the lessons of how to manage it. And so what Saturn is doing for us, regardless of what it's making a configuration with, is it's teaching us about what has value, what is long lasting, what is sustainable, how to build, how to maintain, how to grow, and how to create stability. So we've just come off of 2020 that has just ripped everything down to the core, but there are certain things that are going to be part of the new system. And Saturn is helping us 
to discern in our personal lives, in our relationships, in our personal paradigms, in our community, throughout the globe, with our international connections, all of this, what is sustainable? What can we keep doing? What has value that's going to have value 100 years from now that had value 100 years ago? What are we going to take with us as a foundation for building new? And then Uranus comes in. <laughs> and Uranus is, you could kind of say opposite, really, in a way. Uranus is the awe, the shock and awe, the lightning strike, the, um, you know, bringer of, of change and unpredictability. Whereas Saturn is predictable, Uranus is unpredictable. Whereas Saturn is stable, Uranus is not stable. And so when you have these factors come together that are completely different, it, it's very, very jarring. It's very difficult. And it's very, um, it, it's, it's war. It's basically war. <laughs> it's war. And that's what we've been going through. And I actually have a video about this, too. If you search for Amy Botticelli, um, Saturn square Uranus, I go into a lot of details about understanding these archetypes so a lot of additional stuff than I've shared already. But when this has happened before, wars were happening. And we are we are in wars. And we can see like more war was, you know, happening right right from the onset, at least with the United States, of, you know, I'm not gonna get into all the details and and the politics aren't relevant. And I and my opinion is not relevant. And I that's not the point of bringing it up. The point is that you can see from certain political occurrences how the energies are manifesting. The energy of war is here, but we don't have to necessarily be afraid, right? We have to look out because there is this energy of combative forces and that's on from our personal level out to the global level. But it's more the energy of war, which is going on. We have wars in our communities. We have wars, you know, with, with different people of different areas and genders and like everybody war is is here it's already happening and we're at odds so we've got this this war going on and so the spiritual seeker can make the choice rather than to be afraid and to buy into to the fear that comes with the acknowledgement of the many different war energies that are around what is that conflict within ourselves and what tools do we have that can mitigate these conflicts? I can tell you one for sure, the emotional freedom technique. And actually, you know, people used to think when I first started doing EFT 20 years ago, we thought it was a metaphysical thing. We thought it was spiritual, energetic. That, that was fine for me. I, that was enough for me. But now there are hundreds of studies, maybe even more, that show the science behind what EFT actually does. And it's nothing short of miraculous. So one of the things we can do when we have, you know, you will notice in yourself these forces at work that are at war with each other. And this is kind of the story of humanity, right? But what happens when we have an aspect is things from the unconscious come out right in front of us into the conscious space. So we've, humanity's been at war. It's always will be at war. People were warring amongst themselves. Everything was going, you know, I mean, issues of war and people not treating each other well have been going on. In, since all recorded history, it's always been that way. And I hope it's not always that way, but you know, there's a strong chance that that's going to continue to be themes of humanity. And it works its way down into the unconscious. Then at certain aspects, it pops back up in a big way. And that's one of the things that are happening. So the opportunity is 
it's out right where you can see it. So if you have like, let's say you've, I mean, you can just think about something in your life to see this at play. What over the last month have you really felt strongly about, but then you really feel strongly about something else and you can't mitigate that, that opposition within yourself. You know, that's going to be present for a lot of people. What, and again, it could just be for the belief systems. Like, what do you believe that is clashing with something else that you believe and causing a standstill in your development or your productivity or your creation? So now you can, you can use tools like EFT. You can use all the other things we listed and any, any other things to mitigate the war within yourself to increase your personal peace so that you can walk through with eyes of wisdom, understanding what is supposed to be going on here. I love the way that you describe that. And I love the fact that you talked about the unconscious stuff is going to be right in front of us. It's like we're shining light on those dark spots, on those blind spots for us to see, to heal them, to work with them, to integrate them, which I love the way that you describe that. Thank you. Yeah. And that, that's what's going on. You know, the, the, un, the, the planets are unconscious factors that are directing our lives. That's why astrology works. That's why you can look at someone's chart is because we live in a holographic reality. So the outside is literally imprinted on our neurological wiring and our DNA for that matter. Like we, we are imprinted just like a, a grapes, you know, are imprinted with the season and the location and the weather of that particular year. And a, you know, a wine connoisseur can taste those, those things in, in the grapes. We are the same way. We have the imprint of our birth and the imprint of other significant occurrences going on within us. And we reflect it into our outer world so that we can see it and work with it. And so the, I think one of the biggest mistakes that people have made that have contributed to the delinquency of humanity is thinking that everything outside is just outside, you know, mm-hmm. and that we just yeah. trying to work on it outside. There are things that we can do outside, but the change, you know, just like Gandhi says, we have to be the change we want to see in the world. But that's like really literally like we have to be the change that we want to to be, not just the change we want to see. Like if you have a certain experience you want to have, you have to be that change inside of yourself to be able to be that experience and that's that's what astrology shows us so those unconscious factors happening out there are also happening and in our being and the more we can direct and commit to the inner work and releasing the victim mentality because every time we have a victim mentality we create oppressor and you know oppressee or a victim and a tyrant and if we believe continue to believe in the victim tyrant mentality that's where the the pendulum swing of everything in humanity is coming from. And that's what perpetuates continued karma. And the more we can commit to banishing the victim mentality, you know, the more we can step out of the constant negative, uh, more creation of negative karma. Mm, And I'm sure our listeners, uh, 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 now you can see what I'm talking about when I got on the show and I was saying you'll love the way that Annie describes astrology it's very digestible it's you, it's something that you it's tangible something you can work with which I absolutely love so Annie as we start wrapping up the show we always love to ask our woman of inspiration to pick one word that best describes her personal brand what would be that one word for you my dearest spark I call I, my channel a spiritual spark you know uh, just to 
Yeah. I love that. I do have that. I've written that. Uh, I love the A Spiritual Spark. And you have got a few books as well. So you talk. You talked about um, planetology. What about the other one? You've got the one about the radical prayers. Did you want to talk through that one? Yes. Well, uh, Radical Prayer is an amazing, beautiful prayer affirmation book that it's it's set up for you to do over a moon cycle if you choose to do it, because, you know, they say it takes a certain uh, scientists disagree on this, but it's something in the 20s, 21 days to break a habit, 21, seven, 27 days to break a habit. But really what I've seen is it takes a moon cycle. You know, when we're, when we're changing our neural pathways, the consistency over a moon cycle, which the scientists aren't really looking at that, they're seeing these certain numbers. But what I'm seeing as an astrologer is, hey, that's a moon cycle, right? So, you know, you can do these prayers. They're set up to do over a moon cycle, or you can do them randomly. You can open up intuitively. Uh, it's a perfect purse size book, and it's just got powerful words that Spirit gave me put together to really help you use your vocabulary, use your your the power of your words, and use the power of surrender. Prayer works partly because there is a higher benefic source. And it also works because when we pray, we are surrendering to that, that source. So this combination of surrender with, with the uh, assertion of will, like an affirmation is, is uh, activating our will and a prayer is surrendering to the higher force. So, you know, when we use both of these and they both are in the book, it can be very powerful. So that's another beautiful book and planetology also does have affirmations and prayers in it as well but they're geared they're they're different they're they're different so they're both fun <laughs> mm, thank you so much i highly recommend for our listeners to check it out and uh, like i said we'll have them in the show notes and the last thing that we always love to ask our woman of inspiration is to pick three shiny golden nuggets for our listeners so annie what would be three practical exercises that you would like to leave for our audience today Okay, so the first would be to commit to expanding your awareness to include the lesser seen, the intangible realms, like through the language of spirit speaks, synchronicity, waking dreams, night dreams, you know, animal messages, songs that play, and then you hear certain words more loudly than others. Just, just be aware. It'd be similar to how we are we are speaking right now. You're all across the world, right? In Australia, I'm in Florida, and we're not questioning the fact that. The router, you know, the computer is beaming to the router, the router is beaming to the, the post over there, the post beaming to the satellite, the satellite's beaming over by you. We're taking for granted that that's all occurring because we don't see it. And similar to that magic, pure magic going on beyond our visible uh, lens, there's so much more magic there. And so, you know, committing to looking for the lesser seen magic and the intangible realms is something that can really be a life-changing and empowering uh, key to living consciously. The second thing is to commit to banishing the victim mentality, like I was talking about before. We perpetuate negative karma. Anytime we point a finger, you know, you've heard that saying, you point a finger at somebody and you're pointing three right back at yourself. It's okay to set boundaries. It's okay to hold people accountable in, in your life and to not blame yourself for someone else's behavior. At the same time, it is critical to see the pattern that you have that 
preceded that person. If you always pull in certain types of partners, what you that part that pattern preceded each of those partners. So owning the patterns in your life and banishing the victim mentality is one of the most important things that we can do to live empowered and live consciously. And then the third thing is to really make the commitment to align with spirit, you know, learning to develop intuition more, trusting your intuition, doing spiritual practices, meditation, tapping, grounding, you know, with your bare feet in the earth, just anything that you can do that helps you to get the static out of your energy field where you can listen to the transmissions of spirit more carefully because spirit will tell you what it wants for you. And if you and you can hear that and you align with it, you become an unstoppable force of co-creation because if spirit is wanting it for you and you get on board with it, kind of like with me being an astrologer, I don't want to be an astrologer, <laughs> but I saw that spirit wanted me to be an astrologer. And I said, okay, I I'm choosing to put my personal opinion aside. And now I'm glad, now I'm glad I'm an astrologer, but it, it took some effort then, but then everything just magically click together. And when you can align with what spirit wants for you, then you become an unstoppable force of creation. Mm, I love all three. So Annie, where is the best place for our listeners to find you? Well, you can just do a search of my name and I'm all over the place. You know, I'm on lots of interviews. You'll find my websites. I've got, like you said, my websites will be in the links. Uh, you can go to my YouTube channel, just search for Annie Botticelli YouTube. I do monthly horoscopes. I always put them up four to six weeks early so that you can use them for your planning purposes. Also, I have the YouTube um, videos now synced to my podcast called Astro Kisses with Annie Botticelli. And then you can listen, you know, if, if you're not loving the mid-roll ads on YouTube, which I have not been loving them, they do those uh, regardless of what the creators are trying to do. I, I don't put them there. So I like having podcasts where you can listen free from that. And then you can go see my written horoscopes plus other healthy lifestyle blogs at CozyBySweetStarlight.com. You can see a ton of astrology blogs and other free resources that I have at AnnieHelpsYou.com. When you sign up for my free email newsletter, you get my 28-day virtual coaching program that includes 28 days of EFT uh, for free. You also get my... 2021 Happy Scopes, which is uh, an overview of what's great about each month for the whole year of 2021. You can get a sneak peek into the rest of the year, what to what to be aware of and where you might need to make lemonade and how you can do that. So you get that free when you sign up at anyhelpsyou.com. You also get my write-up of the month ahead that shows all the sweet aspects, all the salty ones, what you can expect from them, and the general themes of the month delivered into your inbox one month early. So that's at anyhelpsyou.com. And I don't spam you. I only send out like three newsletters a month, all content rich with ways that you can use the astrological transits to your benefits. And then my school. My school is Luminous Life Multiversity. And you can go to lumelife, L-U-M-E, life.com. I have free courses there on self-development. I've got one great one called Unleash Your Money Magnet. And this is to help anybody who is trying to bring more prosperity. That's a free course. You can also see my paid courses, including Become a Professional Astrologer Mastery Course, where I can teach you how to use astrology for whatever you want to do, whether it's your own self-development or helping your friends and family, or if it's becoming a professional astrologer, either as part of your professional offering or all of it. You can see that plus my coaching course and other 
um, courses at loomlife.com. Annie, I can't thank you enough for coming on the show and sharing your story, sharing your wealth of wisdom and your time and energy. Thank you so, so very much. You're welcome. And thank you so much for inviting me. It's been so wonderful to connect with you. It has been. Thank you so much. Thank you so very much for listening to today's episode. If you loved what you heard and this topic really resonated with you and you think it will help others, please share the show with your friends to help us make a difference. And if you want to be part of our mission to help empower the conscious people of this world to learn and grow, then the best way to help us achieve this goal is by giving us a good review on iTunes or please subscribe to the show. The more subscribers, the better the speakers for the show, which then means more value for you so that together we can help the world become a better place. Don't give it another thought. Hit that subscribe button and help people get their weekly lessons. And when you do, please be sure to let us know by sending us an email to collect your special gift where you have a choice from six guided meditations or an ebook to soothe your soul. Now, if you have any questions or special guests that you would like to hear from, please send us an email to support at katrinplano.com.au and we will get right back to you. You can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Catherine Plano. Until next week, please take care of yourself. Much love and gratitude. Thank you.